there are a couple of times a year where you'll get a card. There's your birthday, Valentine's Day, maybe an anniversary, and then there's Christmas. And with Christmas being what it was just a little while ago, a letter from a relative, it's even more valuable. Um, imagine with me for just a moment that you, it's back in the day when a letter or getting news from a person was the only way, the only way that you could ever find out about the world going on outside of your little space. So you open it up, you read it, and maybe everything changes. That's actually what happened uh, to a man named Nehemiah. He had a moment like this. He's a man in the Old Testament, um, and he had a moment that set him on a path when he heard news. News that woke him up and caused him, this ordinary man, caused him to accomplish a great and a good work. So we're going to trace the call, the mission, and the work of this ordinary man named Nehemiah, whose heart was broken for the plight of his people. He looked down on their situation and he decided, I cannot stand for this. I cannot sit around and do nothing. Somebody has to do something and it might as well be me. There are many things we need to remind ourselves of. Truth we need to speak. When we look into the mirror or we look out into the world, things we have to say about who we are. And one of those things is we are created for kingdom work, created to do a good work. And it is my prayer that all of us, that we would be stirred by his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to believe that he wants to do more in us than we ever thought through us and with us. I have a question for us. Um, are you the best of the best? Are you the first in the class? Are you a star athlete? Are you the leader of all? Are you one of those people? Well, I have some good news for you. If you are one of those people, God can still use you. Because the truth is that he usually, almost always, uses ordinary people. Everyday people. Just like you, just like me. Just like the people in the nativity story we heard just a couple of days ago. Those people were ordinary. Nobody but God would have picked this poor, backwater, complicated couple to do what they did. So for the next two messages, um, I want to walk with you and I would encourage you that if you believe deep down that you were created for something more, that you were created to do something that matters, that do something that lasts, and maybe your environment has said, no, that you can't. Or maybe your upbringing suggests, I can't do this. But I believe that there are many of us that feel like there is more going on. That there is more for us. That God created us to do kingdom work. Well, if you are open to this, let me pray. I just want to ask you to have a moment where you pause and you just take this moment that life has been hard for these past nine months. Maybe even a couple of more months for some of you. It has been a challenge. And yet, I believe that God is speaking to us. And if you're open, I believe that God is going to speak directly to some of you. That's going to set you on a course to begin to do the kingdom work that you believe God is calling you to do. But I want to warn you that when God uses us, it usually comes at a personal cost. When you take a step of faith 
to do something significant, it's very likely going to be um, come at a price. It's going to come with some kind of agony, some kind of rejection, some kind of heartache and failure every now and then. So wherever you might be at, you might be thinking, I'm just an ordinary person doing my ordinary things. How could God use me? You might not feel very gifted or very talented, but you are the exact type of person that our God loves to use. People like Nehemiah. And I believe that if you have faith to believe that God might speak to you and stir in your heart to do even more, I would just ask that you just, yeah, let's have that moment of prayer that I've been wanting to have. Heavenly Father, this sermon and this next sermon after this, next week, we are diving into the life of Nehemiah, his call, his mission, and we are asking you, Holy Spirit, to activate our minds and our hearts to be able to do the work that you are calling us to do. Lord, we ask that you would stir in us um, a conviction, a conviction that we are not just here as ordinary people, but that we are, uh, when we choose to follow you, you do something great in our lives. Heavenly Father, we love you and we ask that you anoint this time of learning. Amen. Now, the book of Nehemiah, in the Old Testament, I, I just want to give a little bit of context before we uh, get into some of the meat of this message, all right? Now, the book of Nehemiah gives you this glimpse of what I believe to be a motivating, captivating, and inspirational story. Because there was this guy, Nehemiah, and he wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a teacher, he wasn't a prophet, he wasn't a king, uh, he wasn't a warrior. He was a man whose heart got broken and he decided to respond. Now, do you know what he actually was? He was a cupbearer. So he was a cupbearer for the king of Persia. And so the cupbearer is an interesting job. He basically, his job was to be willing to be poisoned so that the king wouldn't be poisoned. It was his job to make sure that the king's life was so perfect and so safe. So there would be wine, there would be different drink, and he would taste it. He would sample it because it was so easy to poison someone by putting something in their drink. So he had to have integrity. He had to be a trustworthy man. He had to be deeply loyal because he, was, he would have had to be privy to so many private, personal moments. You can just picture him, uh, the king, Artaxerxes, saying, hey, um, could you grab me a glass of wine as he's sitting there having a really personal conversation with some other king or something like that. So this man had intimate knowledge. You could even wonder, maybe he was even friends with the king to some degree. You know, you can never be fully certain about those things. So the cupbearer, um, he had to be that front line, that first line of defense. And could you imagine that job? I would want serious life insurance. Like what kind of policy would you get? It would be the worst policy ever. You go to an insurance agent and say, oh, by the way, my job is to constantly sample liquids that might kill me. Yeah, that's going to be tough. It's gonna, that's going to be some serious premiums. So this guy, he's a regular guy. 
And then he hears news that changes his life forever. Let me just read to you. So this is found right at the very beginning of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah 1, it says this, um, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, um, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So he hears this news. And so for years now, so about 140 years prior to this, the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar, they attack Jerusalem, destroy the city, burn everything to the ground. The temple is in ruins. Everything is destroyed. Gates have been burned. There's no protection. And then Babylonians, they take tens of thousands, about 10,000 Jews captive. So they're demoralized. There's no hope. Not only that, but these were often the ruling elite, the educated, the, the people that could help govern. They were all exiled. And so now decades later, about 50,000 Jews or so moved back to Jerusalem to rebuild. So they're going to rebuild the city they love. They start doing this work and they, they hit problem after problem. And here we see in that very passage that those who survive that are back from exile are in Jerusalem, but the walls are broken and they're desperate. And in that moment, in that moment, when he hears this news, his heart is gripped and everything changes. So we have this community. There's back in Jerusalem, there's no jobs, there's no economic system that's working. There's no leadership, no direction, no confidence, no protection. There's no plan. There's no hope whatsoever. And what do you do when you hear news like that? What do you, what do, you do in a moment like that? What do you do when something breaks your heart and you know that there's a work, a great kingdom work that needs to be done and you think to yourself, perhaps I'm supposed to be a part of this good work. What do you do when you see something that bothers you deeply and you just can't take it anymore? Well, there were three things, three things that Nehemiah did to begin the good work that he has. And the first thing is that we see in this story is that Nehemiah, he ends up doing this. Let me read it to you. It says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. I sat down and wept. What did he do? Did he jump into action? No. Did he hide in his leisure activities? No. What do you do? The number one thing that he did was he actually sat down and he cried. You sit down and you let whatever it is, whatever is burdening, a burden on your heart, whatever is breaking your heart, you let it in. You let it settle down and you let it actually break your heart. So the first thing he does is he sits down to cry. And that's something that God is calling all of us to do. Sit down and cry, to actually feel it. When I heard these things, when I heard about the devastation, when I heard about the hopelessness of my people, he says this, I sat down and I wept 
It crushed me. It broke my heart. Now, what's interesting to me is he's a thousand miles away and he's 140 years removed from Jerusalem. He's been disconnected from Jerusalem for decades and he's actually living a pretty good life. You know, to be a, a cupbearer in the king's um, like entourage, like this is a guy, like have a moment. He's, he's like got his cell phone out. And he's like, yeah, hashtag blessed to serve. And he's like sitting in a hot tub and he's enjoying life. Life is pretty good for him. He's living well. And so I don't know about you, but I know that sometimes in my comfort, while I'm like scrolling through my news feed on my phone and I come across some plight, some brokenness, some situation, and I think, oh, poor them. That's just too bad. So sad. Ah, tough luck. Well, that's pretty far away from me. I'm pretty far removed. I'm just going to move on. Maybe I'll say a quick little prayer. Oh, Lord, be with that person and done. That's it. It doesn't really get into my heart. It doesn't really break me. Well, Nehemiah, at that moment, he had a choice. He could have stayed distant. He could have stayed a thousand miles away from the problem. Or he could do what he did do, which was he let it in and he felt the emotions that came with it. He didn't become a stone wall and just ignore it all. He let it go from his head to his heart. He let it stir something deep within him. Passion is so critical for us to do the kingdom work that God has us to do. He allowed this to stir in his heart and it gave him this divine burden, an ache in his soul. And I would ask you this, what, what breaks your heart? What are, what are the burdens that, that you carry? What is it that creates that righteous anger on behalf of God? Or maybe I should ask this question. What used to break your heart? What is that burden you used to feel? But maybe self-pity, self-focus, or callousness, or comfort of life have shadowed it. What is it that crushes your spirit when you look at some injustice in the world? Perhaps there's a group of people. Maybe it's the plight of hurting kids. And you look down and you say, this just can't be anymore. Or maybe it's those who are burdened by addiction and your heart breaks. You see those that are held hostage by drugs or they're trapped in a lustful world of pornography. Or maybe it's homelessness, people experiencing homelessness. And you think this just isn't right. We have to solve this problem. Or maybe it's those who have been trafficked and abused their whole lives. Or maybe it's those who don't have clean drinking water. And you think this doesn't make sense. Water needs to be available for everyone. Or maybe you feel called to speak on behalf of the unborn. Or maybe you feel called to defend the rights of others. To speak on behalf of the ostracized, the marginalized, the demonized. Someone needs to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Maybe it's prejudice, racism, that you feel this needs to end. I need to be a part of this solution. Maybe it's combating all of the lies and misconceptions about Jesus. I remember when I was traveling and I was in Jordan and I was um, at this one hostel. And I just remember praying a simple prayer. Lord, may every moment I have be an opportunity to elevate your name and redeem the image of the church. 
So every conversation that I had, that was filtering through to break down those lies of misconception. What breaks your heart? What's the burden in your soul? Here's the thing that I worry about. I don't worry when every now and then there's something that breaks your heart and gets you emotional and moves you and moves you to the point of tears. The worry is, is when we haven't done that in a really long time. When this just has stopped happening in our lives. Lord, may our hearts stay tender to the things in this world that are not right. I want my heart to be tender, to be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And so what do you do when you can't take it anymore? You sit down and cry. Let yourself feel it. And out of that deep place, out of that place of honest feelings, what does, what does Nehemiah do? He jumps up, dusts himself off, crashes into the king's place, and he uses his loyalty, he uses his credibility, and he asks the king to make it right. No, he doesn't do that. And I know that many of you who have read the story know that that's not the case. Well, what does he do? He sits down and he weeps, and then he kneels down and he prays. Out of his tears come worship. He redirects. He redirects his pain, his anger, his sadness into prayers. Friends, if, if you actually don't hear anything from me except one thing, I would encourage it to be this one thing. If you only hear one thing today, let it be this one. Turn your pain, your anger, your hurts, your sadness into prayers. Make the choice today to bring God into the mess and into the, the scary, vulnerable place of it all. Let him settle in right down deep into those places that terrify you. And before you start trying to solve it or numb yourself from it all, talk to your heavenly Father. This is not an easy thing for us to do. This is not an easy thing for me to do. But this is what Nehemiah did. And Nehemiah clearly understood some principles that we need to live by. For four months, he mourned and fasted and he prayed before the Lord, the God of heaven. For four months, he worked through this. He stewed over it. He talked to God about this burden he was feeling. He didn't just rush into it and try to solve it. He didn't let the fear of it just numb him. He actively participated in prayer. And he thought, maybe I'm just one person. But then I think he started to realize one person plus God is enough. It's always enough. Let's just briefly look at that prayer that he does. Uh, this is found in verse 5. And I'll just read a couple of bits from it. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ears be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I like this. And then he says, I confess the sins, we Israelites, uh, including myself and my father's family have committed against you. This is a beautiful prayer. It starts with the declaration of how good and awesome God is. And then it moves 
to him confessing the sins of the people. And then it moves further where he reminds God of his promises, reminds God of his faithfulness, and claims that. When what you pray in many ways reflects what you believe about God. When you, how you pray and what you pray can kind of start to give you an indication of how you see our Lord. And this man clearly believed that if you go before God in prayer, God does his thing. He does great and powerful and mighty things. Do you believe that? I believe it. Sometimes I don't, but a lot of times that's what we are called to do. We are called we are called to go forward in prayer. So we see at the beginning of his story. We see through the middle of his story, actually later on, and then we see at the very end of his story, prayer exists all the way throughout. In fact, this was the first of 12 prayers mentioned in the book of Nehemiah, which shows us a leadership pattern that prayer is a part of everything he does. It's not just a little thing he does here and then he does it some other time. Prayer is a part of leading. He is constantly making choices through prayer. And so we see it at the beginning of his story, in the middle, and at the end. He's always going before God. And this is what I love about his leadership, right? He is a genius. He's tactical. He's thoughtful. He studies. He strategizes. And we're going to be able to look a little bit at that next week. He casts vision and he delegates well. And yet, in the midst of that, part of that leadership skill is constant, intimate, faith-filled prayer before his good God. He sits down and cries. He kneels down and prays. And what do you do? Do you go through that pattern? That There is no other kingdom pattern. That is the order of things. The kingdom work has to start with allowing yourself to feel going before the Father in prayer. And we might be tempted to skip one or both of those steps and go straight to action. But if we do that, we burn out, we burn bridges, we, we have no lasting power. Kingdom work requires deep, sustained connection to the King of Kings. Kingdom work requires deep, sustained connection to the King of Kings. Tears, prayers, then action. So Nehemiah, he takes the cup and he goes and visits the king. His heart is heavy and the king can tell. So four months after hearing this news, in chapter two, it says this. So then in the month of Nisan, or Nisan, as you might hear it, uh, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was brought before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. And I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And then I like this. He says this, I was very much afraid. This was not an easy thing. To give bad news, to be sad in front of the king in this era, in this day and age, in this Mesopotamian culture was a huge no. You did not do that. You never gave bad news. You never looked unwell in front of the king. Huge trust, huge faith. He was very much afraid, but he said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors were buried lies in ruins? 
and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And then the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, I love this. So he's been praying for four months. Then he has this moment, and then he has this little moment right in the middle of him having this conversation with the king. And he turns and he just says, then I pray to the God of heaven, right in that quick moment. And then I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. My people are hurting. The walls are down. The city is exposed. And I just can't sit around anymore and do nothing. Somebody's got to do something about this, and it might as well be me. What, what is your burden? What is that fire that the Holy Spirit is building up in your heart? You might be thinking, who am I? I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm, I, I can't. I'm not a pastor. I'm not trained. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You need to hear this. You're never going to be perfect. It's, you're never going to have it all figured out. But if God prompts your heart, if God stirs your spirit, gives you a burden, you need to trust that. You need to go before the Lord and you need to begin to watch him act in your life. Like Nehemiah, who's just an ordinary guy in every other extent, was chosen by God to step into the burden and start doing this kingdom work. And here's the thing. He didn't finish alone. He, he had people. He had support. He had help. So he didn't do it alone. But it didn't start happening. It didn't happen until he took that step of obedience. So what do you do when you can't take it anymore? What do you do when you can't, uh, when you, when you just can't take it? Do you kneel down and pray? Do you sit down and cry? Do you kneel down and pray? And then do you get up and act? I want to challenge all of us this week. This is an easy week for us to do very little. We've got holidays, and that's a good thing. In the midst of this holiday, take some time to listen to the Father and ask the Lord, Lord, there was that burden I used to have, or there was that conviction that has gotten a little quiet lately. Would you do something in my spirit? Would you help me begin to care again? Would you break my heart for what breaks yours so that I could sit down and cry and then I could be led into a place of prayer so that I could act? Because my friends, 2021 is a year where we can, out of a place of prayer, begin to act on the mission that God has for us. I'd like to close with a simple prayer. I'd just like to pray. And I just ask that you right now, wherever you're at, whenever you're listening to this, that you would say yes to the Holy Spirit's conviction that he is speaking to you right now, saying, this is a moment. Let's start to prepare ourselves for the kingdom work that's in front of us. So Father, we ask by your, the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us today, that you would stir up in our hearts a call and a mission and a passion that you would help remind us about what actually breaks our hearts, that you would slow down the screens and the distractions long enough for us to realize what, what you've actually made us for. Lord, it's so easy for us to not feel like we have it all together, that we're inferior. 
But you, Lord, when it's with you, we can do so much. Help us to not fear what you are up to in our lives, but for us to trust you and walk with you. Lord, I pray that wherever we, wherever we go and whatever we do, that you would be glorified in our lives. Lord, we love you. Help us to feel the emotions we need to feel. Help us to go to you in prayer and not just to try to solve it ourselves. And Lord, help us that after all of that, to stand up and with courage begin to act. Lord, we love you and thank you. Amen. Friends, I'm excited to continue this story with you next week. God bless and take care.